Yeah, you know, this is how bad it is. You know how you get in a routine, you're waiting for the lights to come up, and then you say good morning like you do this every Sunday, like the lights are already up, and I'm lost. Like, what do you do now? <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> yeah, so good morning, everybody. Welcome to Life Church. Welcome to you guys that are joining us online. Just a quick announcement. So uh, Grow Night, um, that's the opportunity for you guys to get in a small group, topics-based, gives you a chance to get to know more people here at Life Church. If you want to know, know more about Grow Night, you can go out. Uh, Taylor will be at the cafe, and he'll be able to give you information. There's a QR code that you can scan. If you can't do that, you don't know technology, ask him. He'll tell you all the classes uh, that you can get in. But we'd love for you to get out of you know, uh, these rows, get into some circles, get to know some new people here at Life Church, and uh, gain some new relationships. All right, so we're ending up the Revelation series, and here's the big question. Why would anybody spend six months on one book, right? So that's how long we've been in this. Like for a half a year, we've been studying the book of Revelations. Now, the thing that, you know, I hear from people all the time is, is that, like, I've never heard anybody preach all the way through the book of Revelations, and it's been really good, and, you know, and, and it's great to know these things, but here's my fear, right? This is always my fear, especially when you spend a significant amount of time diving into something and talking about it over and over again is that you will have more knowledge and you'll be able to tell people that you know about the book of Revelations, but it really doesn't change anything in your life. Right? Like that's my fear. My fear is you can just now say, you know what we did? We went through the whole book of Revelations and now I understand so much more. Now nothing has changed in my life. Nothing is different in my life, but I know so much more. Like if you had any questions, I can answer them. So what I want to do is before we wrap it up today and get to the end, what I want to spend some time doing is what should we take away, right? Because we understand that knowledge without action is worthless. We're all on that same page. Like you can know more about the Bible. If you don't do anything about it, it doesn't really mean anything, right? Like you can know a bunch. If you don't do anything about it, then you're just like, we could just get added into the, to the same scope of the Pharisees, Right? Pharisees, very knowledgeable people, understood everything about the Torah and Scripture. Jesus looked at him and said, you should fear hell because their knowledge never transformed into a relationship with Jesus Christ, never transformed into doing anything about it. So don't let us fall in that category, right? Like we don't want to be in that place. So what should we take away? So just a quick summary of the book of Revelations, what we should take away and how it should be changing our lives. So one of the things we know is in the beginning of the book of Revelations, there's a warning, right? And here's what you're gonna see as a theme. Throughout all the book of Revelations, he gives us some warnings, but he gives us a chance, right? So that's the big thing. Here's your warning, here's your chance, here's your warning, here's your chance. So he talks to the church in the beginning, which I think is interesting. You know, he writes to the seven churches and he writes them letters and interesting to me that if he was talking to people and warning them about what it is to come, kind of weird that he starts inside of the church. Don't you think? Like kind of weird that he starts with the people that should already have it right. You know what I mean? Like the church should have it right, but he starts in the church because he knows this about the church. Just because you come to church and claim religion does not mean that you know me. Be warned. You need to take these warnings and do something about it because you know what happens inside of the church over and over again? And I think this is a theme throughout it. 
You once really loved me, and now you don't care. Once you were on fire for me, and you came because you couldn't get enough of me, now you come because it's part of your religious activity. Got to show to church on Sunday morning because that's what everybody else does. Got to read my Bible because that's what everybody else does. And you know, in the beginning, it was because I wanted to do it because I love you. I can't get enough of you. I can't get enough of those things. And then it kind of wanes away. Anybody been in that road? Uh, It just kind of goes and becomes a part of the routine. So he says to the church, be warned. If you don't get into it, if you don't change it, or if you don't do something different, you're going to fall into the church in Laodicea where he looks at the lukewarm people who once were on fire, but now they're lukewarm. He's going to spit them out of your mouth, and you're going to be one of those people. He was like, I don't want to be one of those people. Well, you get a chance to change. That's the warning with the, the opportunity for change, right? Then he goes on in the book of Revelations. He says, you know what you should know? You should know the signs of the end of the age. Like you should know the end is coming, right? Why is that important in the life of a Christian person to know the end of the age? Because it does two things. When you know that the end is coming, it usually changes the way you live today. When you don't think about the end, you tend to just go through the cycle of, well, I got tomorrow. Anybody live like that? Like, I got tomorrow. I can get it done tomorrow. I can do it tomorrow. There's always going to be another day, right? Well, when you know the end is coming and you see the signs of the end of the age and you look at what he's pointing to, you're going to be like, holy crap, I need to do something about it. The same concept, he says, look at the signs of the end of the age because you know the end is near. And then he also like reminds us that your time, the end of your age could happen today. Right, Like Jesus coming back, signs of the end of the age, or you're recognizing today that you're not guaranteed tomorrow. Anybody that's lost somebody unexpectedly? And just you look at it and you're like, if it just would have had tomorrow, if I just would have had one more time, if I just would have, he tells us, let me remind you, you aren't guaranteed tomorrow. And so you personally should Live your life as if there is no tomorrow. Book of Revelation says signs of the end of the age aren't just so you can be more knowledgeable about the end of the world and just so you can say, well, this is how the government fits in and this is the you know, conspiracy and this is the thing. Like You need to look at it and you need to say, now that I know that there is an end of the age, I better do something about it because I'm not guaranteed tomorrow. Who do I need to talk to? What do I need to do? What needs to change in my life? A sense of urgency. You know, the other thing that goes with that, when you study the book of Revelations and you look at it, it's personal, but it's also saying you need to teach other people about this too. Because you know what the problem inside of the church sometimes is, is that you get knowledge for yourself, but it never translates into knowledge for other people. Like you could walk away and say, I know about the signs of the end of the age. And I said, are you teaching your kids? Are you sitting in the group of your peers? So young people, are you sitting in the group of your peers that have sat through this and said, you know what? Now I know this. And because I know this, I want to tell my friends. Like, here's some things that you should think about. You know, usually it just stops with us. Well, knowing the sign of the end of the age comes with a responsibility to remind those who you love you're not guaranteed tomorrow. Right, that's part of the book of Revelations, right? You're not guaranteed tomorrow. We need to know it for ourselves and we need to understand it, you know, for for the future and we need to tell other people, right? Because when Jesus does come back, this is the theme, you don't get a second chance. Your friends don't get second chances. Your kids don't get second chances. If they're not right with God on the day that they die or the day that Jesus comes back, you don't get a second chance. 
So we should be motivated, the book of Revelation should motivate us to do something about that because you know the signs of the end of the age. Then he goes into tribulation, like the world is falling apart, right? But here's the thing that we, I think, hopefully you saw in this. I hope you didn't get caught up in, like now I know about the seven-headed horned beast guy with all these eyes, and I know what all the horns mean. Right? Or I know now that like this were the plagues or these were the, you know, the things. Here's what I'm hoping you're going to get out of God's judgment on the world. You know why God is judging the world? Not because he hates the world, because he wants them to repent. And I want you to see that because in the judgment of the world was an opportunity of the gospel. He never had a judgment without an opportunity for Jesus. Did you see that? Like judgment came, but judgment came in a way to say, but there is Jesus and there is an answer. Like life's falling apart, but there is an answer. And the reason that I want you to see that is because it's really no different than what he's doing today. You know, he's slow to anger. And for the people of this world, sometimes when things happen the way they're not supposed to happen here, you know, we're like, what's going on? What's happening? And we get mad at God. And so instead of getting mad at God, how about look for an opportunity? Because in every part of the things that go wrong in our life is an opportunity to go closer to the one who created us. Right, and we're gonna get into that because what you're gonna learn is, is that this world is not your home and the things that happen in this world, you're right, are not the way that it's supposed to be. But the reason for that is to push you closer, not further away. Right, so when we look at the, the, the idea of the judgments that we're following, we should learn that and we should understand that, that the things that are happening in this world are to push us closer, right? Then we get to the end, right? Intermediate heaven, intermediate hell, you know, like we're talking about, like there is a judgment that's coming. And so for each one of us, you should live as if you're being judged. And so last week we talked about what's the criteria of your judgment? Like it's good to know, right? It's almost like taking a test. Like it's good to know what's gonna be on the test because then you kind of look at, am I living my life as if when I get to judgment day and I stand in front of Jesus, I'd be like, yeah, I was there. I was doing it. I'm living down those roads. We talked about that. If you didn't listen to it, you should know because we should live as if the end is coming, but not only if the end is coming, but you're gonna be judged for what you did in the body. Good and bad. And let me remind you of something. The story last week, don't miss this. If you didn't hear it, you should go back and listen to it. Bad was not bad morally, not bad in the decisions that he made, like sinful, bad because he did nothing. Claimed Jesus and did nothing with his life. And you know what happened to the person who did nothing? Thrown out into weeping and gnashing of teeth and was called wicked by God, not because of moral failure, but because he did nothing, right? And so we should learn from those things. Judgment is coming. We're gonna have to answer for how we spend our time. So here's what I'm gonna try to do today. I've been thinking about this all week long. How do you describe heaven to somebody? Like, you know what I mean? Like, I'll tell you, like a lot of people have questions about heaven and I'll say right up front, um, read Randy Alcorn's book on heaven. It's a, one of the most exhaustive books that I've ever seen on heaven based upon scripture. So if you wanna get really deep into it, you could look at that. And again, what I love about Randy Alcorn's depiction, it's not like I went and saw, let me go tell you about it. It's that here's what the scripture says that heaven is going to be like and what you're going to see. And so foundationally, it's not based upon somebody's word if they went to heaven, but based upon what scripture says, which we put our faith in. So if you wanna read it and get into detail, you can get there. Because here's my fear. 
And it really was summed up when I talked to Scott Scheiber. So if you haven't had a chance to talk to Scott, this is an incredible story. You need to talk to Scott. So Scott, and again, because I know no medical terms, I have no idea what was wrong with his eyes, but they weren't good, right? So he had to get a surgery to get, you know, his eyes fixed. But when you talk to Scott about his surgery, right? Because if you talk to him before, he's like, I don't know, and should I? And I don't know if I want to go through it, and it costs so much. And, and the doctors are trying to convince him. This, he'll tell you this story. You should talk to him. Doctors are trying to convince him. You'll ne- you, you can't believe how much better your sight will be. And he's sitting on the other end going like, I don't know, but I don't know if I really want to do it. And, because you really don't know, right? Like you really don't know what it's going to be like. If you talk to Scott today, he's going to tell you a story that like all of his life, he looked through a dirty lens. He didn't know he was looking through a dirty lens. Like he didn't know that. Like his whole life was a dirty lens that he got used to. And then all of a sudden he had the surgery and now he sees in a way that he's never seen before. He's like, somebody put Windex on there. Somebody, the colors that I see and the beauty that I see, no one could have told me it had been that good. So I can tell you about heaven, but it's gonna still be looking through a dirty lens. Right? Like I can still give you like, here's a brief picture. And this is what I've been trying to land on. Like, what do we really need to do? Cause I'm going to give you this picture of what heaven's going to be like. And you're going to be able to see it, but it's still going to be through a dirty lens because until you stand in front of Jesus, you can't imagine what heaven will be like and the beauty that's going to be there. So I'm going to, to the best of my ability, I'm going to give you a picture of what heaven looks like. I'm going to give you a picture and we're talking about the new earth, like the new place, the place that you're going to spend all of eternity. I'm going to give you a picture of what that looks like. And in that, my hope is, right, that you can get some assurance, like this is what it's going to be like. It can give you some answers that maybe you've had in the past. But more than that, I hope you don't miss the point. Like we studied this whole book of Revelations and and we're at this pinnacle point of like where you're going to spend eternity because of the decisions that you've made in your life. And I hope that we don't get so infatuated with what heaven will be like that it doesn't change what today is like for you. You see, the idea of getting infatuated with what you're going to be do, what you're going to eat, and how you're going to work, and who you're going to see, and am I going to know this person, and where are they going to be, and am I going to do, and am I going to, you know what I mean, like all those questions that everybody had. That's okay, we'll try to answer them to the best of our ability, but you know what the big question you should ask, but what does it change for you today? What's different today than it was before now that you know that heaven is different? So I'm gonna challenge you at the end with three questions about what that looks like. Now, keep this in your mind, okay? So as we study heaven or what we, as we study the new earth, you know, which is gonna be referred to in scripture, which is where you're gonna spend eternity. Remember, intermediate heaven where people are at today, Once Jesus comes back and ends it all, we're gonna be on a new earth, okay? So when you struggle, when I'm talking about this, putting it into your mind, here's what I want you to think about. God created this earth to be in fellowship with mankind, Garden of Eden, right? He created all of this and then created Adam and Eve to be in relationship with them, which is what's going to happen on the new earth. Does that make sense? So that's what he's going to be. His so if you want a picture of what heaven was going to be like, look around. Now, again, you're still seeing a world corrupted by sin. You're still seeing a world that's decaying. But at the end of the day, he created this that you see, creation, 
the people that you see, the things that you're doing. He created them in the beginning because the idea was God was going to be with mankind on the earth and they were gonna be in relationship. So it's not that far out of your scope that if you looked around today at the beauty of God's creation, you're going to have an idea what the new earth is going to look like. A picture, now again, a fuzzy one because you can't get it all, like it's a fuzzy picture, but it is giving you some sort of an idea. So if you have a Bible, turn to Revelation 21. Revelation 21 is, and 22 is, here's the new earth, or here's what he's going to create, and here's what it's gonna look like, and so we're gonna take some time to study it, to look at it, to, to understand it, and then we're gonna to get to the end, and we're gonna say, now that you understand more about it, what's it going to change? So Revelations 21 uh, starting in verse one, we're gonna talk about this new relationship with God that you can't have on this earth completely, right? So he gives what the relationship with God will look like starting in verse one. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. So this is Jesus has come back. Now we're gonna be spending eternity with him and this is what it looks like. For the first heaven and the first earth have passed away and there was no longer any sea. I saw a holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. So relationship, that's the first thing that's gonna be different. Here's what I want you to think about. If you've ever been to an event, you've ever been to a worship service, you've ever been sitting in your tree stands, you've ever been out in creation, you've ever been out in, you know, hiking in the mountains, you ever be like, I feel the presence of God. Like two people, but you guys ought to get out. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you've been in a service and you're like, or you've been at a camp or you've been on a retreat and you're like, ah, right? Like that feeling, if I could just put it in a box and it open it up when I feel like crap, yeah. you know what I mean? I just need the presence of God. It's not around. Like you leave a service. If you could just capture that feeling that you had, you want to be able to have it. That is this much of what it'll be like when God is dwelling with you. That didn't get you very excited. I mean, you must not have experienced God here. I mean, if you experience God here and you have this feeling like, I never want this to go away, you should be saying, if that's only this much, when I'm on a new earth, that's gonna be like, yeah! That's a little better, right? You know what I mean? Like that feeling that I get that all the time, that's incredible, right? That we have that presence and it never goes away. You don't have to recreate it. You don't have to do things. I mean, it's just there all of the time. So new relationship, and we get a glimpse of it here on this earth, but when you're dwelling with him, it'll be something that you just can't even imagine, right? So that's what the relationship will look like. Here's the next thing uh, as we keep going in Revelations 21, starting in verse four. There's a new, again, idea of how we have a re how sin works in the world. So here's what he says. And again, I'm going to like challenge your thinking here for a second. This is the first time in verse four, he says, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. You realize that's the first time he ever says that. You know, a lot of people think in the intermediate heaven, there won't be any tears. You know why? Because they refer to that verse, but you know that verse doesn't come until the new earth. So just think 
through this idea that even in the intermediate heaven, you know, there is this idea that as you're seeing an earth that's not the way that it's supposed to be, that you're not going to mourn over what it's not, what it's, you know the glory of heaven and now you're looking at an earth. Don't think that there might not be some emotions where we're like, ugh, that's not good. Right? That's not the way that it's supposed to be. For the first time, he says, you'll wipe away every tear from their eyes, so be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things have passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I'm making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trust, trustworthy and true. So here's what I want you to see. So you live in a world, and maybe you have or maybe you haven't experienced this. Life is not the way that it's supposed to be. Anybody? Some things happen in your life right now, and you're like, I've said this a thousand times. I don't know how many times I can keep saying it. Life on this earth is not fair. I just had this view picture last night. Like I could, I looked, and this is, again, you might hate me after this, but I'm looking at the things that have happened on the earth, and I'm like, that person didn't deserve it, but you do. I'm like, this is unfair. That guy deserves it for the way that he acted and the things that he did and the way that he treated his kids and all of those things. That person didn't deserve it. God, what is going on? This is not right. Anybody else live in a world where you look around and you're like, it's just not right. It's just not fair. It's not the way it's supposed to be. I wasn't supposed to be treated that way. I wasn't supposed to be talked about that way. I wasn't supposed to be left. I wasn't supposed to be alone. I wasn't, you know what I mean? Like all of those things. You've all experienced it at some level. This is not the way God intended it. And in this scripture, this is what he tells you. You're right. You're absolutely right. But here's what I want you to know. That understanding You should take that understanding and because you now know this, what it should say for each one of you is, I know it's not fair and it just makes me want to go home even more because this isn't my own. And as long as I'm alive on this earth, it won't be fair. And I'm going to keep seeing tragedy and I'm going to keep seeing people and I'm going to keep seeing things that make zero sense to me. Until I go home, the reminder is this is not my own. And it's not the way that it's supposed to be. But when I go home someday, when I go home, when we're on the new earth dwelling with God, no longer do I have to worry about life not being the way that it's supposed to be. Because God, who says it's trustworthy and true, when you're on the new earth someday, all those things are going to go away. You don't have to think about losing somebody you love. You don't have to think about somebody harming you. You don't have to think about getting a call in the middle of the night. You don't have to think of, you know what I mean? Like anybody that's been down that road, like you don't have to think about those things because now you can know all of the death and all of the mourning and all of the pain and all of the tears and all of the thing that you're experiencing on this earth is gone when we are on the new earth. And what that should do for us as Christian people is make us long for our new home. Because if you haven't experienced tragedy on this earth or you haven't experienced the unfairness of this world, you will. At some point in your life, you're gonna look around and no matter how old you are, at some point you're gonna look around and you're gonna say, that wasn't fair. And that's not the way that it's supposed to be. So here's what my challenge is. So instead of being mad at God, which is tend to be like, why God? Anybody? 
Come on, anybody that's not at like, why God? That's not the way. Instead of why God, we're like, listen, thank you, God, that I'll see him again someday. Thank you, God, that, that this is all gonna end someday. Thank you, God, that we're all going home someday. Right? Like that's what we can get to, and that's the way that we should be. And those are the things that we should point to. And that's what he's trying to tell us in Revelations, that there'll be a whole nother way that we understand it. Then he talks about this idea of satisfaction in our life. Revelation 21, 6. He says, And he said it to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water without cost. From the beginning, uh, from the spring of the water, from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all things, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. But the cowardly and the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, and the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters and the liars, they will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. He talks about this idea of complete satisfaction. Because here's what I want to tell you. All sin in your life today, so listen up. All sin of your life today is derived from a thirst that you're trying to quench with something outside of the living water of Jesus Christ. That's where sin comes from. So you, you, you have this thirst, and so alcoholism you think is gonna fix it. So you drink till you're drunk because you think you're just gonna do away with all the pain, but guess what? What happens the next morning? No one's ever been drunk before? <laughs> it doesn't go away. The pain is still there again, and it's worse, because now you got a headache. True? Right? Like you tried to cover it, you take drugs, alcohol, whatever those things are. You want to cover up because you thirst to quench something that hasn't been quenched by the world. You're trying to get it with something else. People do this in relationships all the time. You're married and things just aren't going the way they're supposed to go. And then all of a sudden you have this thirst. There's gotta be something better. Right? This is how it starts, right? There's gotta be something better. I got this thirst. There's gotta be something more. And again, my husband or my wife isn't quenching my thirst. Well, wake up. They never will. Right? They can't give you complete satisfaction. Husbands and wives will never give each other complete satisfaction. The only satisfaction that you will ever get that's complete is from the living water that comes from Jesus Christ. But we try other things. So he says, you're going to be in this competition all of your life for the whole time that you're here on this earth. There's going to be this, like, you can drink from the well and there's still going to be times where you're going to go through and you're going to be like, I'm still not satisfied. Like you should be. Anybody understand the relationship with sin on this earth right now? Right, like you, you, we should be completely satisfied with Jesus, but you know sometimes in life we're not satisfied. And you know that's what leads to bad spending decisions where money becomes our idol. It leads to bad decisions in our life because we're trying to quench something that'll never be quenched by the world. But you know what he says? When you are in the new earth, without cost, you see that? Without cost, you will thirst no more. You will be completely satisfied. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine being completely satisfied, never having to try to figure out how to quench your thirst, 
Never figuring out how to try to quench those desires that you have. Because on this earth, as long as there is an evil one, there is an enemy trying to get you to well up those desires that are inside of each one of us. Right? But on the new earth, it's not going to be that way. It's on the new earth, you won't have that thirst. He goes on then and he talks about the new city and what it will look like. Revelations 21 on to verse 22, he says this. The nations will walk by its light and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. One day, uh, one day will its gates uh, ever be shut. There will be no more night there. The glory and honor of the nations will be brought into it. Nothing impure will ever enter it, nor anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. He goes on then, he talks about Eden being restored. So clear back to the idea of like, here's you know, the original Eden. Now he's talking about what does Eden look like restored, brought back to where we'll spend eternity. And here's what he says. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life as clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are uh, for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and the lamb will be in the city and his servants will serve them. They will, be, they will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. There will be no more need for a lamp or for light or a lamp or the light of the sun. For the Lord God will give them light and they will reign forever and ever. And so he gives this picture that has a lot of detail in it, but we can't go into it. So there's going to be food, you're going to eat, you're going to be, you know, there's going to be rivers, there's going to be water, there's going to be people, you're going to be doing things. Like that's the picture that he's given you, right? Is that you're going to be active, there's going to be things going on, you know, things are going to be restored, all nations are going to be together, which is hard to believe right now of how many nations hate each other and people hate each other, but everybody's going to be together and everybody's going to be getting along and there's going to be this relationship that you could have never had on this earth. Like, all of that stuff's going to be going on, right? And, and again, we could go into depths, but that's why I would tell you, read Randy Alcorn's book when it talks about, like, are you gonna see people and who are the people you're gonna see and how are you gonna be in relationship with them and what's that gonna look like and am I gonna have a job and what's gonna be my purpose and how all that works? Because we could do a whole other series on it, right? But what I want you to see is that God has prepared a place for you. It's for you. He created you and prepared a place for you. And so we as Christians can be confident that the new earth that he has was created for us just like the earth was created for Adam and Eve to be in relationship with God. Does that make sense? So it gives you a picture of what that looks like now. So that's a, like a cloudy, looking through a cloudy lens. You know, a lot more questions, a lot more things we can talk about. But what I want to make sure is, is that we talk about the response. So now that you do understand all of the book of Revelations to the best of your ability, now that you know that there is going to be a new earth created for Christian people to be on, you know that you're going to have purpose, you know that you're going to be with people, you know that you're going to know people, all of those things, I have three questions that I want to ask you. And these three questions, I want you to walk away from here having an answer to. Right With these three questions, I don't want it to be like, oh, it's something to ponder. I want, because you know now more than you've ever known before, I want you to be able to answer these questions. Here's the first question. 
In this room today, could you answer this question? Are you sure that you're going to heaven? Without certainty, without knowing today, for sure, if my day was today, I'm for sure going to heaven. You know how many people would be like, can anybody be sure? Anybody? You've ever had that in your mind? Like, can be anybody be sure? Does anybody really know until the last day? Nobody? You never had that thought going through your mind? Like, can anybody be sure until the last day? Can anybody be sure that you had it right? Come on, stay with me. Yes. People are at this place, and you know where that comes from? Satan. Because I'm going to tell you something. I am sure that I am spending eternity in heaven with Jesus Christ. Not because I'm a preacher, not because I go to church, not because I'm in Bible studies, not because I either sin a lot or sin a little, but because of what Jesus Christ did for me, I can be sure. And I'm not just saying it based upon what I think to give myself some assurance, like, oh my gosh, I gotta say it and say it over and over again so I believe it. You know what I mean? How sometimes you feel like you gotta say something to yourself over and over and again to you and believe it. I'm gonna go off what the authority of scripture says. This is what the authority of scripture says. First John 5, 11 through 13. And this is the testimony because people were asking the question, how do I know that I make sure that I'm sure? Well, John answered. And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life and this life is in his son. Whoever has the son has life. How can I be sure? How can I know? Because I can tell you this, not because of what I did, but because of what Jesus Christ did for me, I will stand in front of Jesus Christ and he will say, well done, good and faithful servant, because of what Jesus Christ did for me and I can be assured that I will be welcomed in, not on my own merit, not on my own works, not on anything that I ever did, but what Jesus Christ did for me. And I've always said this to people because I think maybe you guys have experienced this before. You ever have the people, but do you ever think about when you did? Do you ever think about when you did? And you ever think about what you did? Do you ever think about that sin? Do you ever see when you threw the head? This is back when I was a football coach. You ever see when you threw the headset? You know when you broke the whiteboard in front of everybody? You know when you were screamed? You know when you cussed the one time? And I'm like, yeah, join Satan, the one who's trying to condemn. Because we've all sinned, we've all fallen short of the glory of God. You can join those people because my Savior says all sins are covered by the blood of Jesus, past, present, and future. And I'm going to make mistakes, and I'm going to go down the roads, and I'm going to slip up. But you that want to condemn can stand over there with the one who is the condemner. You hear me? So if you are one of those people, remember whose side you're on. There is no condemnation in the Lord. That's not my words. That's the words of scripture. There is no condemnation in the Lord's. If you want to be a condemner, maybe you should join the condemned. That's not who we are. True? Is it not supposed to say that one? But isn't it true? Right? Like if you want to be a condemner, then join the one who's condemning. Because our responsibility as Christian people is to bring life the life of Jesus Christ. That's our responsibility. Satan's gonna condemn and Satan wants to convince you because I know there are people in this room that he's convinced you. I'm not sure. 
I'm not sure and I don't know and I'm not sure and I don't know. Listen, get assurance and certainty, not based upon what the world says, but what Jesus said to you. Don't try to get your assurance from the world. Get your assurance from the one who you're only gonna get insurance from. Jesus Christ. All right, so I want you to answer that question. I don't want you to walk out of here today without being able to answer that question. Are you sure? Yes. Because if you're not, if you're not, listen to me. If you're not, you need to do something about it. If you're not sure, don't walk out of this room because you know what we've learned through the book of Revelations? You know what we've learned through the tragedy of life? You don't always get tomorrow. Your loved ones don't always get tomorrow. Here's the other question I want you to ask yourself, and the worship team's gonna come back up and we're gonna end it up with these last two questions. If you looked at the priorities of your life, right? So if you took an opportunity to look at the priorities and passions of your life, are they focused on the eternal or are they focused on the things of the world? Because here's what I want you to see. You can be assured, assured of your decision that you made and only you can make this decision of Jesus Christ. Like you can, you can have certainty but with certainty comes assurance by the way that you live your life. Is that making sense? Certainty comes with assurance because when you are certain of a relationship with Jesus, you can see that the priorities of your life are lived in a certain way, right? Like my priorities are not on the temporal. The temporal always goes away. Like I have to live on this earth and I have to make it through, but my hope is not in the things of this earth. Like, I'm going to buy a house. I'm going to live in a house. I'm going to have fun with the things of it. They can come and go. I'm not going to get all caught up in it. I'm not going to get anxious about things that are going to burn anyway. Right? Like, that stuff's all getting burned up. All that stuff's going to go away. None of those things matter. The only thing that matters in the end is people. Right? And so if I look at the passions and priorities of my life, are they on the things that matter? And if they're not, like that just needs to shift because if you're certain that you are a believer, the, the assurance of your belief comes in the way that you live your life. Is that, am I losing anybody on that or does that make sense? Because that goes together, right? Certainty and assurance goes together. And so we can be certain and assured by the way that we live our life. The other one is, do you know anybody that's not a believer? And if you do, what are you doing about it? Because here's what I want you to see. With the certainty of a relationship with Jesus Christ comes the assurance in the way that we live our life and comes the heart for the Savior that we serve. You know the heart for the Savior we serve? He's mourning over those who are lost. Do you hear me? Paul says in Scripture that he sheds tears on a regular basis for those that are lost. And Paul wouldn't say that I'm just shedding tears and I'm just praying for. Paul said, I arranged my life to get a chance to share the gospel with those who need it. That's what Paul did. Didn't just cry over it, just didn't pray over it, but arranged my life around. Now here's what I want you to hear, and this is gonna be tough for you to hear, but I want you to do it. So if you're completely out for the whole message. Come back for these last minutes. Here's what I know about culture and here's what I know about people. A lot of people say, well, it's just so hard to talk about Jesus to people. Have you ever tried it before? Well, here's what I want you to think about for just a second, okay? Listen to me. Parents, 
Do you ever find it hard to brag on your children when they do really good? Like, can you believe that their grades and the sports that they made and the teams that they made and the baskets that they made and the trophies that they got? Let me tell you about my son. Let me tell you about my daughter. Let me tell you about their accomplishments. You can't wait to tell somebody. Any parents? Like, you're so excited to tell somebody about the person that you love. Or you ever, you know, you get to that place where you start and you're dating someone, right? And you start dating someone and you're like, I got to tell you about this person. They are this and they're this and they're this. And like, you just start talking about them and you start sharing with other people. Let me tell you about the people that I love. Or you know what? You ever like, you know, and this isn't just in people, but let me tell you about my car. Let me tell you about my motorcycle. Let me tell you about my gun. Let me tell you about, nobody has a problem sharing about the things that they love. And then there's Jesus. And you're like, I can't talk about him. I can't share about him. I don't know what to say. I'm like, <laughs> are you in love? Because when you're in love, you're gonna tell somebody. Just the way it works. When you're in love with Jesus, you're gonna have no problem saying, you know what, Jeff, let me tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you about what he's done. Let me tell you about this relationship. Let me tell, I can't stop talking about the one that I love. So I just wanna ask you the question, can we not say it because we don't love? Can we not say it because you're not in relationship and you don't have anything to say? Because when you're in love and you're in relationship, listen, you're gonna tell somebody. You just are. And those are some hard questions for us, but we better start asking those questions before it's too late. Because all in this idea of the, what he's trying to give us a picture of is that heaven is real and he wants us there and we should care and we should be assured that we are there, but at the same time, there are people in this world who won't. And the question is, a Christian person, what are you gonna do about it? And I'm saying, listen, as Christians, we, it's, it's as easy as this. You do it every day in your life. Share about the ones that you love. Talk about the ones that you love. It's not a problem in every other place in your life. Don't make it a problem with the one that you should love more than anything in this life. Right? Shouldn't love anything more in this world than him. Now, we get an opportunity to take communion together. So I love that we can kind of wrap it up with this today is, is that, because when we take communion, a couple things are supposed to happen. For us, we're supposed to do it so that we can be reminded, right? Because sometimes in religion, like you forgot about your first love. You forgot about what it was like. You know what I mean? Like when you first gave your life to Jesus, you're like, yes! And then you got religious. You know, like, and then you started checking things off the boxes. Right? And it's supposed to be a reminder that he didn't pay for your sins and your life to check it off the box. He paid for your sins and your life so that you could go out and you could share it with other people, that you could be reminded that we're all sinners falling short of the glory of God, that we can be reminded that your life was paid for at a great price. So for Christians, we're to be reminded of those things and you come to that place. For you that are sitting in this room today that you're uncertain, here's what I want you to see. When we take, partake in the bread and the, the grape juice or the wine, the idea is, is that that body that was broken for you and blood was shed, it was also shed for you. 
If you're sitting here and you're uncertain and the world said that your past is too great, your sin is too great, your, the, the things that you've done are too great, I want you to understand today when you see the body of Christ broken and the blood of Christ shed, he did it for you. And he would do it only for you. And that he knows you by name and he doesn't want you to wait because he knows that your time is short. And so as we're taking communion together, you're at that place and we're going through that time of reflection. Maybe it's a time where you need to become certain in your relationship, where you need to say, you know what, I'm not gonna walk out of here without being certain to know that I've accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. For you that have taken it or are going to be taking it, for us it's a reminder that we're so thankful that a loving God would die for a sinning people like us and give us the ability to share that love with other people. So I'm gonna pray that we're gonna have a time of reflection uh, to be able to come up and take communion together. If you're online, there's gonna be a video that's gonna come up, so don't check out and go away. So after we pray and start into the time of reflection, there'll be a video that'll come up for you guys that are online. So let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I just want you to know that as we come to you today, it's beautiful to know that even though they, we look through a cloudy lens, that the, the idea of being with you someday is gonna be so incredible and so great. When we finally get to come home to the home that you've made for each one of us, I'm so thankful for those things. But Lord, while I'm here on this earth, I wanna share about what I love. May we be a people that wanna share about what we love and we love you, Lord, more than anything. And Lord, we should be a people that wanna share about the things that we love. Lord, may we be a people that, that love to talk about you and who you are. And Lord, I pray for anybody in this room that it is uncertain, Lord, that you will give them a sense of certainty that you are the answer to all of those things. Lord, that you will be the one who will give them the, the things that they need today. Lord, we pray for that. Lord, we love you. In your name we pray, amen. Whenever you're ready, please make your way up to the communion tables. They're now open.
Let's go ahead and stand and join in this last song together. We got a new song this morning. It's called Something About the Name. Something about the name of Jesus. We're gonna sing about it today. The friend of sinners, the breaker of chains. You say the word and the dead are raised. The light of the world, the rock of our faith. You are the cornerstone that'll never break. And no one high and none more worthy we praise. Jesus, Jesus, there's something about the name Jesus, Jesus, there's something about the name, all honor, all glory, no other name is worthy, Jesus, Jesus. And our good shepherd, he's faithful and true. You clear the way so we can walk right through. The Lion of Judah, victorious King. You triumphed over death and crushed its sting. Oh, Jesus, Jesus. There's something about the name Jesus, Jesus. There's something about the name. All honor, all glory. No other name is worthy. Jesus, Jesus. Sing this. We'll never get tired of singing your name. We'll never get tired of singing your praise. We'll never get tired of singing of the love of Jesus. There's something about the name. Never get tired of singing your name. We'll never get tired of singing your praise. We'll never get tired of singing of the love of Jesus. There's something about the name. Never get tired of singing your name. We'll never get tired of singing your praise. We'll never get tired of singing of the love of Jesus. There's something about the name. Never get tired of singing your name. We'll never get tired of singing your praise. We'll never get tired of singing of the love of Jesus. There's something about the name Jesus. Jesus. There's something about the name Jesus. Jesus. 
So I guess if I had to sum it all up, six months worth of going through the book of Revelations, I'd sum it up like this. Don't wait because you're not guaranteed tomorrow. So if you're here today and you made a decision, you were uncertain, but today God brought certainty in your life through Jesus Christ. We want to celebrate that with you. Let us know. Fill out a connecting card. Come and talk to us. We want to help you along in that process. If you're questioning, you're still uncertain, we want to help you along in that process. But listen, don't wait because we're never guaranteed tomorrow. If you've been out there and you made that decision and, and God stirred something in your heart, get baptized. Don't wait. Right? Don't, don't wait because you're not guaranteed to the next baptism Sunday. You might not be guaranteed the next day. So we just pray that if there's a theme that we can walk away with is that we're not guaranteed tomorrow, but we are guaranteed a Savior that will, that will take away all the pain, that will live inside of us and give us everything that we need. So thanks, everybody, for joining us at the main campus. Thanks for joining us online. We'll see you guys next week.